श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए और भक्तवृंद की जाए बहुत प्रेम आनंदे मॉर्निंग एवरीवन सो दिस मॉर्निंग गिव यू चांस टू इंटरेक्ट लो मोर यस in reading prabhupada's introduction to shrimad bhagavatam in the biographic sketch of shri chaitanya mahaprabhu and also checking it through all the different versions i'm amazed that it seems that shri chaitanya is even uh, in this is in the discourse where ramananda roy is bringing forth you know first varnashram and it seems that as prabhupada you know i checked it it, it seems like Shri Chaitanya is saying also devotional service is not you know devo- devotional service is not the most desirable thing just hearing he didn't until he ramananda roy brought forth hearing just hearing and 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 propa says there's something to the effect that in this age people even taking to devotional service it's it's not it seemed like it's not the most desirable thing that they 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 don't get it could you elaborate on that well i'd have to look at the section um it itself but i'm familiar with ramananda sambhad and uh, the point at which chaitanya mahaprabhu starts to like what ramananda roy says while you're looking for that it's probably worth noting that prabhupad's um introduction to the bhagavatam that includes this extensive um essay on chaitanya mahaprabhu is significant because in as much as chaitanya mahaprabhu is the way to understand the bhagavatam hmm? kabiraj goswami described him as a fountain from which krishna leela is flowing in all directions so first the giver as bujapachita marsh like to say and then the gift so our regard to chaitanya mahaprabhu he is the the way to understand the bhagavatam we touched on it yesterday when mentioning bhakti vinod thakur's conversion as it was to uh to the bhagavat religion via the uh, understanding of the bhagavat uh, of chaitanya mahaprabhu so Yes. The section. Jim's <coughs> right there. He rejects many rejects again in the next. Mhm. You want me to read? I'm sure. Well, maybe I'll read it and it'll be be re- recorded. Roy Roy Ramananda then suggested renunciation of the Varnashram Dharma. and acceptance of devotional service the lord did not approve of this suggestion 
also for the reason that all of a sudden one should not renounce his position for that may not bring the desired result. It was further suggested by Roy that attainment of spiritualization free from material conception of life is the topmost achievement for the living being. The Lord rejected this suggestion also because on the plea of such realization, much havoc has been wrought by unscrupulous persons. Therefore, all of a sudden this is not possible. Then Roy suggested sincere association with self-realized souls and hearing submissively the transcendental message of the pastimes of the personality of Godhead. This suggestion was welcomed by the Lord. So this is, of course, a famous uh, section of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Ramananda Sambad, conversation between Ramananda Roy and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, wherein Chaitanya Mahaprabhu becomes the questioner and his devotee, Ramananda Roy, becomes the answerer. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, Roy Ramananda has also been described as being an incarnation of Arjuna by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. He said, your father is Maharaj Pandu, uh, Babananda Roy, and he had five sons, wasn't it? They are the Pandavas, and amongst them, Ramananda Roy was the dearmost of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he compared him to Arjuna. That's an interesting comparison, of course. And we know that in the Bhagavad Gita that Arjuna questioned and Krishna answered. And so we find in the Gaur Leela that, that um, Krishna, Gaur Krishna, is questioning and Arjuna is giving the answers. And we see that, in a sense, that Gaur, Krishna's Gaur, is testing Arjuna to see what he understood, if he understood the entire significance of the Bhagavad Gita. And from Ramananda Roy's answers, or Arjuna's answers, as it would be, we find that the furthest, uh, deepest ramifications of the message of the Gita that are condensed within there, or implied within there, and so forth, that are all played out, of course, to a greater extent in the Bhagavatam, were well understood by Arjuna. Rai Ramananda took him from the beginning of religious life to the end. Beginning being the Varnashram and the end being Gopi Bhava, Rata Dasyam. And somewhere in the middle then was the beginning of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so to speak, came to teach and therefore which he uh, accepted as going in the right direction in terms of our uh, Ramananda Roy's answers. Previous to that, as we're hearing here, Ramananda Roy offered answers as to the sadhana and the sadhya, the means and the ends, the way and the path and the goal. What are they? These are two important questions. We should ask any teacher, what is your sadhana, what is your sadhya, 
what is the path and what is the goal <clears throat> that they are teaching. So he wanted to know the best path and the best goal, and Ramananda Roy offered certain, uh, a, a, a few possibilities, considerations that were rejected by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then at a certain point, as I say, somewhere in the middle, Mahaprabhu accepted, yes, this is, this is what I'm about, is what he meant to say. This is, this is, uh, going in the right direction. Say more, say more, say more. Until he reached the pinnacle of theistic possibility. And that incidentally is, there's some objectivity to that if we were to look and, and measure the extent to which if this is the standard of intimacy that is possible as explained by the various religious traditions in the world, intimacy between ourselves and the Godhead, we don't find anything that measures uh, as, as, as far that reaches as deep, that brings one theoretically, uh, in, in terms of the theory, as close to God as we find in the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that's, this should be news information, <laughs> should be made available. We realize that also it's our subjective faith and so forth that our good sukriti, good fortune, good association that allows us to, to uh, think like that, feel like that. But besides our thinking, feeling, and so forth, there's a fair amount, as I say, of objectivity. So we look at the different traditions and what are they saying? What, to what extent do they afford us intimacy with the Godhead? We won't find anything that uh, really compares with um, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come to teach, other than in the Balabha Sampradaya, he was a contemporary of Mahaprabhu, the Nimbarka Sampradaya, there's some closeness surely, comparatively. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu takes it deeper. In fact, it has been established over and over again in Vrindavan where there are many Balabas and many Nambarkis and so forth, uh, uh, other Vaishnav, Ragmarg sects, that what the Gosamis, Sanatan, Sri Jiva, and later Vishwanath Chakvati Thakur, who are universally accepted. Um, Gaudiya Charis means every branch of every Gaudiya Sampradaya accepts their uh, opinions, their tikka, their commentaries as being conclusive. <clears throat> These tikkas are repeatedly referred to. And um, the farthest reach, as I say, of Mahaprabhu's um, ideal has um, been demonstrated there the extent that I says even if the Balabas or the Nambarkis are commenting on Bhagavatam, they'll refer to Jiva Goswami often and Vishwanath Chakrabati Thakur and so forth. So, <clears throat> so this, this section, Ramana Samvad, is really the, is, 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 is really is the Bhagavad Gita all over again in a sense, where there's a gradation and Krishna's taking us through the different types of yoga. Hmm? Varnashram is mentioned, a few verses, Dharma, in the Gita, in the first chapter, in the second chapter, then it's just, it's dismissed and addressed. Arjun's arguments are on the basis of Dharma. He was a very stout and morally right, just person, the pinnacle of Dharma. 
which is, in one sense, then, his qualification for inquiring into Brahman, because Brahma-jignasu, inquiry into Brahman, is prefaced by Dharma-jignasu, inquiry into religion, unless, of course, we're fortunate to have sadhu-sangha, and despite not inquiring into religious life and pursuing it, we may come to inquire about Brahman and more. Brahma-jignasu, rasa-jignasu, rasu-vai-saha, by good association. Some of us have experienced that. Hmm? Otherwise, in India, then, the old system, we have the karma-mimamsa, the purva-mimamsa. Discourse on religion, it begins with Dharma, atato dharma jignasu. Now is the time to inquire about dharma. When that's finished, atato, now is the time to inquire about Brahman. Hmm? Prabhupada used to say human life is the time to inquire about Brahman. We would add, yes, if we have your association. Hmm? Hmm? What does uh, Govinda Das say? Dulaba manava janama satsange tadaha e bhava sindure. Bajahure mana sinandanandana abhaycharanara vindure. Padmamanavadamasat sange dulabamanavadamasat sange. So, all these practices of bhakti, they become possible for us by good sangha and, of course, human life. So, point being that human life is the time to inquire, but we have to have someone to inquire from. So, the combination of the two, dulabhamanava janama, that is very rare human life, and if it's combined with satsanga, then tara e bhava sindhu, the bhava sindhu, the ocean of material oceans can be easily crossed. Hmm? So we're fortunate like that to be blessed by, for example, Prabhupada's good association, bringing the good tidings of Gore and Tinanda to the Western world. <clears throat> so Arjun, he exemplifies, as I say in the first chapter, a person who was very dharmic and inquired deeply about dharma. It also means that religious life, while transcended by spiritual life, by inquiry into Brahman, we transcend the dharmic um, standards of living and religious considerations and so forth. Um, but uh, by inquiring into Brahman with good qualification, then the all that is found within the dharmic person should be found also, for the most part, within the, the spiritual person. There's another place, of course, where there's a crossing over in the Brajlila and there's an apparent adharma, but properly understood, we know it to be a super-religious reality, as the gopis seem to, for example, 
forego the Dharma. Of course, that's the end of the Gita, right? Sarvadharman pratyaja. Throw it out entirely. So, the whole range is found in the Gita, from accepting the Varnashram Dharma to rejecting the Varnashram Dharma, if you will, and embracing uh, Shuddha Bhakti. And so, similarly in Ramananda Sambhad, we find this gradation. And in this case, then, Krishna is the questioner and his devotee, Ramananda Roy or Arjuna, is the answerer. And he knew well, so he understood the Gita very well. So, with regard to the particulars of the question, then, Prabhupada said that first Ramananda Roy suggested Varnashram, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected Varnashram. And I believe that Prabhupada said acceptance of Varnashram and devotional service, was it? Hmm? So uh, what Prabhupada means there is that if you study Bhagavatam carefully, we find in the very beginning where the uh, Sutta Goswami is answering the sages' questions from chapter 1. These sages were gathered for a thousand-year sacrifice, as some of you are aware from reading the Bhagavatam. They were concerned with swarga, as the text itself explains. Swarga means they were concerned with the Dharma marg. Swarga means heaven. So they were concerned with religious life, but they got good association of Sutta Goswami, who explains that he had good association with Sukadeva Goswami. And so he, his very presence inquire, caused them to inquire differently than they had been inquiring previously and under the tutelage of Sutta Goswami's father, who was removed from the position of the teacher by Baladev when he what? demonstrated that in his discourse on Dharma, he wasn't acquainted with the essence of Dharma, Sangsidhir, as Sutta will respond later in the second chapter, Haritoshanam. The perfection of Dharma, Siddhi, the Samsiddhi, the complete perfection, Samsiddhi, Haritoshanam, Vam Dharma, is Haritoshanam. Haritoshanam means the pleasure of Hari, this is the be-all and the end-all of Dharma. And, of course, Baladev is the personification of Dharma himself. And uh, the uh, um, Sutta Goswami's father, Roma Harshana, didn't, his hairs didn't stand on end, relative to his name, when he saw Baladev stand up in ecstasy. So Baladev responded appropriately and removed him from the seat of esteem of the teacher. Hmm. What kind of teacher of Dharma is this? He doesn't know the essence and so forth. 
and replaced him with his son and Sutta Goswami gave answers like this and he called and he gave answers his answers were to the sages were the Bhagavatam he could understand from their questioning which had changed by his very presence by his very presence on the scene he caused them to inquire in a different way hmm? he made them inquisitive this is uh, Prabhupada was very much like this. We didn't know what questions to ask. He gave, gave the questions and he gave the answers. And the questions were, we should have asked about that. We should have thought about that. Mm-hmm. Mostly our questions he dismissed. <laughs> uh, he say, why don't you go there and find out? Those are good answers. So our curiosity seeking into realms beyond our, um, beyond our immediate grasp. We wanted us to focus on them by focusing on where we were at, practically. Hmm? Those things are both there. You know, if you go to the mall, as I've said, and you have that little map, and it says, you know, you can go to here if you want, but it also says you are here, so you have to know both things. We are here, and we want to go there. So, <clears throat> Sutta Goswami caused them to inquire in such a way that the only way to respond was the was from what he heard from Sukadev, which is the essence of the Bhagavatam. So then he begins, of course, with his offering respects to Sukadev and then giving the essential idea of the Bhagavatam, answering their question, what is the you know uh, the primary duty for for humans, uh, what is the essential idea of dharma given in the scriptures and so forth. And so he begins with an explanation of ordinary dharma and he dismisses it. Hmm? Dharma. Uh, what does he say? Dharma sunastita pumsa vishvakshena katasya natpodaya diaridatim sramayebahi kevalam If religion is perfectly executed but it doesn't give you a taste vasudeva kataruchi if it doesn't, if as a result of that you don't get a taste for hearing about Hari, hmm? then Srama Evi Kevalam is a waste of time. So this is a big statement to make, of course, to people who had been assembled for thousands of years to hear about Dharma. <laughs> Basically, say, if as a result of this you don't get a taste for Hari, your whole life is wasted. Hmm? Uh, so the Bhagavatam really kind of begins like this, a dismissal of the Dharma Marg, the dismissal of the Varnashram as, 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 as a goal, hmm? as the ideal, as the, as the, um, perfection hmm? of, uh, satisfying Hari. It doesn't do much for him. Hmm? He says this in the Gita. What does Krishna say in the Gita? Chaturvanyamayashishtam guna karma vibhagasaha. Tasyaham kartam. What is it? Akartam. Vidi akartam adhayam. Tasyam vidi akartam. Yeah, he says. That's Varnashram's been given by me, but I'm not interested in it. Look at the words. That's what he says. I have given this varnasha, and this is, you know, this is the whole system of religious, socio-religious system that I've given in the scriptures and so forth. But he says, "Vidyakarta mavyayam." I'm not, I'm not found there. 
not very much. I'm not interested in that. It's not has nothing much to do with me. Of course, we find Varnashram in the Leela of Krishna, don't we? We do, but it is only a, only a a framework, so to speak, to try to contain and describe the bhava that the whole affair is about. What is the Braja Leela, Krishna Leela? It is vibhav, anubhav, sattvikabhav, stayibhav, hmm? sancharibhav. This is what it is. You study all the movements, all the uh, interactions, and so forth, all the feelings. It is a world of ecstasy, this is the idea. The Varnashram is only a superficial structure for all of that to uh, to, um, to take place. So Krishna Lila, as Mahaprabhu said, he rejected the Varnashram. So Bhagavatam is rejecting the Varnashram. But it brings up the Varnashram very prominently in the beginning. It makes these strong statements about its limitations and so forth. Mm. And then it goes on to say in the same section what? Savayapum samparo dharma yato bhakti aparti This is the first answer then, extended answer to the sage's question. He speaks about a paro dharma, another kind of dharma, a, su- a supreme dharma. And it is hoituki apartihata ayatma suprasiditi. It's only for the satisfaction of Bhagavan. And we will become fully satisfied. Only by that. This is the idea. So the Varna Ashram is not what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to teach is appropriate because that's not what the Bhagavatam teaches as the goal. No, it has its place. That's another thing. And, relative to the question, it also has a place slightly in relation to Bhakti, perhaps, devotional service. Hmm? If the perfection of religious practice is bhakti, hmm? and that's pretty much what Goswami is, or Sutta Goswami is saying, the perfection of the Varnashram is devotional service, but we don't find that too many people come to devotional service. Hmm? through that route, or in and of itself. Hmm? Uh, what, are the, what is that other verse? Tapumbe tidusheshta varnashrama vivagasa. Sangsudiradhitoshanam. There's some uh, kind of remote connection, I guess you could say. We don't mean that piety in the karma marg and the dharma marg is a cause for bhakti. Only bhakti is a cause um, of itself. But those who are the mediums of bhakti, the mediums through which bhakti distributes herself, the devotee, they tend to go to pious people. So in as much as the Varnashram is is a system for pious people, then maybe it leads to bhakti indirectly in this way. The perfection of such dharma would be bhakti, but the fact is that it doesn't naturally flow only if the carrier of bhakti 
being disposed towards the religious and thinking, well, we'll go to the pious people rather than the impious people, then as a result of that, the pious, are the pious, pious people in a better position to receive bhakti? Of course, we have the example of Nityananda Prabhu going to the most impious to show the magnanimity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. So and I guess in a, what I want to say in answer to the question and the way Prabhupada has written about it there is that he's not really re- rejecting devotional service, but he's rejecting uh, Ramananda Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with the idea that the the maybe the you could say the idea of bhakti. That's another way of looking at it, entertained by those embracing varnashram. Hmm? That would be then if we talk about it like that. It's an idea of bhakti covered by gyan. Excuse me, covered by by karma. Rupa Goswami advocates a different kind of bhakti. He says what? Anyabilashita sunyam gyan karmadi anavritam anukulena krishnanushilanam bhakti rutamam. So, there is bhakti covered by karma. There is bhakti covered by gyan. And there's bhakti not inhibited by these. Where the ideal is not material acquisition. Where the ideal is not knowledge and uh, renunciation. But the ideal is bhakti for its own sake. Hmm? So in the, in, the, in the karma marg then, in the dharma marg, same idea, varnashram, there is some worship of bhagwan. Worship of Bhagwan is, is bhakti. But it's a very remote kind of worship, in a sense. It's something like I've given an example that if, in this country we have a president, and if you're a good citizen and you follow all the laws, you've pleased the president. He may not know your name, but anyway, he gave the laws, and I realize it's more complex than that, but Anyway, <laughs> he tried to give the laws. He he changed. He said he would give this law. He changed that. Anyway, he gave the laws, and then you followed them. You're dear to him, but he doesn't even know your name. And maybe if out of all of the people who followed the laws, you were the best citizen, and others said he's a really good citizen, then they have the Citizen of the Year award. Maybe I I think they do, and then they. Then the, then the president, or maybe one representative of the president might come and give the, the president the, the Citizen of the Year award. Hmm? So this Varnashram, it is about worshipping Vishnu. This is the center of the whole thing. This is the heart of it. Huh? Hmm? Therefore, Sutta Goswami says, as much as Hari is pleased is as much as it's Dharma. The implication is, simply by following the Varnashram, he's not pleased too much. But okay, something is there. Hmm? Something is there. Kaviraj Goswami used a nice example when he said, I say, anyone who says that they are a devotee of Krishna, but but uh, are not, is not a devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I say he's a demon. Oh God! Why did he say that? I've got to distribute this book to somebody. Hmm? Oh goodness! But then he gives a nice example. He says, "I know." He, more or less, you can feel him saying, "I know that's heavy. 
I know I just like dropped a bomb on you, but I really feel strongly about this. This is what I want to say. And, and it's not without some support. After all, Jarasandha, he worshipped Krishna, or he worshipped Vishnu, but he wasn't a devotee of Krishna. He worshipped Vishnu because he followed the Varnashram. He followed the Varnashram very carefully, but he didn't worship Krishna, and he's considered a demon. Isn't it? So he said, so, I'm in the same way, he makes his, uh, he gives his support. So Varnashram, the satisfaction of Vishnu, as much as Vishnu is pleased, this is the standard of Dharma, this is what Bhakti is about ultimately. So in Varnashram there's some, you know, remote idea, kind of, of, of bhakti, hmm? a remote idea, and in, it, it, we may look at it as bhakti in high end, bhakti covered by gyan, hmm? or excuse me, covered by by karma, hmm? where bhakti for its own sake is the example. I want to be a good citizen. I want to follow laws for other reasons, for the reasons of what 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 scripture says might might happen to you if you do that. You might go to heaven. Uh, you might get a good wife, a good husband, a good son or daughter, and so on and so forth. Hmm? So this Ramananda Roy offered, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted. And then if we look at the conversation, as we saw, Prabhupada said, next, Ramananda Roy offered the idea of sarvadharman pratyajja mamekam sharanam braja, rejecting dharma. Hmm? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected this also. So this idea, of course, is then, at best, some bhakti mixed with with gyan. He went on to say, "Brahma bhuta prasannatma naso chetena kanchi samasarveshu bhuteshu madbhaktim labate param." Same idea. So uh, bhakti mixed with karma, bhakti mixed with gyan. Hmm? This is rejected. Then he comes to and varnashram in and of itself, and gyan marg in and of itself. In other words. The Dharma Marg, the, the or the Karma Marg, and the and the the Gyan Marg mixtures of Dharma and Karma, uh, 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 Karma and Bhakti, Gyan and Bhakti, all rejected. Then he comes to that verse that that Mahaprabhu accepted. What does it say? Sanastita Sutikatam Tanuman Manobe Ye Prayaso Janajito Ajit 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 Jita Ajit does it begin that verse hatefully proper would like to say it rejecting gyane prayasam udapasanamante gyane prayasam udamante so rejecting this uh, um, all of these thus far in a sense which are ascending paths on one's own to one extent or another on one's own strength, climbing there, going, trying to go there, trying to break in, to go into the house of Krishna, of Bhakti with your shoes on, something like that. Hmm? No, it's an, it's, it's a descending path. What do the gopis say? In Bhagavatam, Rathayatra, at the end, he said, Oh, Krishna, hmm? whose navel is like the lotus, 
We are not like big yogis, big jnanis. We can't, you know, control our senses like the yogis. We can't think deeply and make introspection like the jnanis. We're poor people living in the village, milk people only. We don't have lots of money to make big sacrifices like the karmis and... uh, and so forth. These are all means of approaching you. Hmm? They said, but but we want you anyway. And not only this, what they're saying in this verse is, we're not interested in karma, we're not interested in jnana, we're not interested in yoga, we're not interested in paths that of going up to you. We want you to come here. <laughs> what are they saying? <laughs> How audacious. You think, my God, <laughs> all these sophisticated paths of pious people, mystical people, well-thought-out people, your karmis, your yogis, your jnanis, hmm? all paths very intricate and detailed and uh, uh, for ascending and knowing the truth. Hmm? They have a different idea. We were staying here, they said, in, in samsara, and we want you to come here. It's so audacious that Krishna takes notice of that. This is the kind of the point. My goodness, all these paths have been given in the scripture. You've come up with your own path, in a sense. <laughs> you want me to come there, and you want, and you want me. They want the karmis' material acquisition. The yogis want the power of knowing everything about how every part of the body works, and and they can, <laughs> you know. <laughs> This is, this is paramatma, you know, absorption. He knows everything, every part, every cell, every internal organ, all the chitta, vritti, all you know, all, all this uh, psychological, subtle analysis in the gross body and so forth. They want that, and jnanis they want want to be, yogis want to know. Uh, the Ghanis want to be without anxiety. That's their bliss. Be without suffering. That is their only bliss. The Ghanis want to be and they want want to know hmm, of the bliss of knowing. And uh, the Bhaktis, the devotees, they just want bliss. <laughs> they, they don't care. They don't know. Hmm? And uh, as I said the other day, Krishna's own questions his own existence. So anyway... They want him. They say, "We want you to come here." It's almost as if they, the path. Of, it means, of course, the path of bhakti is descending, and it descends on, in one sense, on this basis, this kind of audacious claim: "We want you to come here, but we want you." Is the point? The karmis, the gandhis, and the yogis—they don't want him. So, how interested is he? How effective is the path? As audacious as it may seem, they say, we're weak, we don't have yogic power, we don't have pow- brain power. I mean, we're absorbed in cows and cow dung and, you know, we got cow dung for brains is what they're saying. <laughs> hmm? You know, who you associate with, that's what you become like, you know. I mean, they're charming and all, but <laughs> not the brightest, you know, pencil. And <laughs> so... 
They said, this is our, you know, situation. We don't, and we're poor people. We're just, you know, the village people. We're not royalty or anything like that who performs these big sacrifices and the gods come, hmm, witness that and so forth. This is our, our position. But despite our position and all these disqualifications, we have one qualification. We want you. We don't want what you might offer, heaven, material acquisition, we don't want the knowledge and yogic power. We don't want eternal existence. We stay right here in samsara. But, and we have no power to go anywhere else. But we want you. That brings him. You want me. You don't want anything from me. I could give you eternal life. I could give you heaven. Make you an Indra. A Brahma. Hmm? No. Hmm? You don't even want to go to Vaikuntha. You want to stay where you, and you want me there, on your turn. You want me to become a cowherd. <laughs> I am a cowherd, <laughs> by the force of your affection and your desire. And this is the beta beta, of course. Uh, their love, and 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 Bhagawan, they correspond. There's no question of Krishna, without gopis, without brajbasis, without cowherd boys and girls, and and so forth. So. Stay where you are. Same idea. Stay where you are. And attach yourself to those who feel like this. Hear from them. Hmm? Huh? Mahaprabhu said, now, now we're getting somewhere. Hmm? This is Gyan Shunya Bhakti. Bhakti unencumbered by Gyan, by any calculation of reward. Hmm? about why I should do it. It's almost inappropriate. What, For example, the gopis are asking, it seems inappropriate. Hmm? But they have this audacious desire and the Godhead responds with, and why not? Hmm? Again, they're only interested in him. Hmm? Only in his heart. Hmm? Nothing else. So, Bhavru accepted this idea and this is then the beginning of Shuddha Bhakti, Bhakti unencumbered by Gyan, karma, by any calculation. And if we look at it carefully, we see he's speaking even about beyond Vaikuntha here, because in Vaikuntha there's even a calculation. The calculation is what? We should offer respects to Narayan because he's God, after all. He's God, so we should offer respect. There's a reason for it. When we get, go into Braj Bhakti, reason starts to fall away. And we start to question their reasoning. How, from Vaikuntha's perspective, they'll say, they'll reason, how can they treat Bhagawan like that? How is it possible? When Gopal Kumar went and he saw Narayan, he said, hey, Gopal, buddy, you know, you can't talk like that. That's not Ayana. Hmm? I've told the story before. It's a nice story. We, I'll repeat it. We we once went, went to a Sanskrit school in South India. My god brother Narsingamarsh took me there. We met with a mentor and so forth, Ramanuja, Vaishnava, very pukka, and he was uh, uh, wanted to serve the devotees. Prashad at his house, very learned and so forth. So we were taking prashad, and we were engaging in Hari Kata, Krishna Kata. And the Shringamar said, "You know, um, I forget his name anyway, sir. Uh, uh, whenever we do Hari Kata, Krishna Kata, you seem very jolly." Hmm? He said, "Oh yes, 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 very nice," uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and then he said, uh, uh, what did he say? He said, 
yeah, he said, but when you talk about Narayan, he said, and that's another thing, he said, oh, that is another thing, he said. He said, when you talk about Narayan, then he cut Nishringa Maharaj off and said, that is another thing. And he's just like, wow, I was like, this guy loves Narayan, this is incredible, look at that. He likes to talk about Krishna, and he understands Krishna to be, it's from his perspective, from the Vaikuntha perspective, Narayan has a Gopal Lila hmm, that he plays out sometimes on Janmashtami in Vaikuntha. And then the Vaikuntha inhabitants, they, they watch, they part, they see that. So they don't participate. Hmm? Some some inhabitants are manifested along with it, and the Leela plays out. And so forth. it's like if you go to South India, you go to the... I went to Varakala once, you know, near Padmanabh Chetra, and, and uh, it was on, a, uh, I think, a Janmashtami, and there they had this big... Um, Shaligram Narayan dressed like Gopal, you know, on the Shringa's appearance, they'll dress him like Nishringa and Vaman's appearance like Vamana and so forth. So he makes these different appearances in Vaikuntha and Kaviraj Goswami, Krishnadas and Chaitanya Charitamrita, where he's making his point, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, Krishna's the source of Narayan after a long explanation he says, But anyway, if you want to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is that same Krishna, as an expansion of Narayan, well, it's not wrong necessarily, you know. Hmm? It may not be our the, the, the whole the whole picture, but it's not wrong. Vaikuntha is not wrong. It's a bhava. Hmm? It's a feeling. It's worth having. Hmm? But there are other feelings. So Vaikuntha, they, they don't know about it. It's unknown. This is a, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give the material world. It's unknown in Vaikuntha. Hmm? Extraordinary idea. So no calculation. Hmm? They do it, and as you go up the scale, then what is the difference? That's another point. What is the difference between Sambandhanuga and Kamanuga? Within Raganuga Bhakti, we have these two categories Sambandhanuga, Kamanuga. Sambandha means relationship. So there are devotees who have a relationship with Krishna in the Braj. He has a mother. Hmm? Parental relationship. He has friends. Hmm? Fraternal. Fraternal? relationship. Well, he has servants, servant friends. So, uh, another relationship. All these relationships are Sambandhanuga. It's a kind of Raganuga, right? Sambandhanuga. They're based on a relationship. And the gopi's relationship is not based on a relationship that is allowed. Hmm? Do you understand? There is no place for the gopi's relationship with Krishna. You're either married you're a son, you're somebody's servant, you're somebody's friend, but somebody's illicit lover, that doesn't work in the Varnashram. <laughs> right? So, uh, it's, it's superficially there to, you know, to su- support the playing out of all these ecstasies and so on. So their, their love is called Kamanuga. So it's not based on relationship, it's based on a desire. It's, that we, we say, there's an, in other words, there's a reason why Yashoda should love Krishna. Hmm? There's a reason why Krishna's friends should love him. And this is taking it to a much higher level than the reason in Vaikuntha, because he's God, because he's my friend. I should, and it's acceptable, but the gopi's love is without any, to the extreme, without any reason. Kamanuga, based on desire only. Hmm? Based on 
exploring that desire, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come to give all these bhavas of of Goloka. So Mahaprabhu appreciated that beginning point. Yes, now we're getting somewhere. Gyan Sunya Bhakti. Sridhar liked to call it brain-dead bhakti. Hmm? He said, whenever I have this students who are very intelligent, I have to beat on them with this. Brain-dead bhakti. Hmm? Don't let your intelligence get the best of you. Hmm? Don't let that rule, rule over. Hmm? This is a heart affair. Of course, if you have intelligence, then like you're burdened to, to use it. <laughs> it's a great burden, I can tell you. So, so this way... Hmm. He rejected the Varnashram in the extent to which it is 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 pleasing to Hari and thereby some form of bhakti and the and uh, Gyan Mishra Bhakti, Karma Mishra Bhakti and so forth. And then of course he goes on from there and Mahaprabhu says more and more and more and he reaches the pinnacle of poss- spiritual possibilities. Hmm? At least as I said earlier in the beginning of answering this question, as far as we know, as far as any religious sect that has some uh, penetration into that realm has told us subjective hmm? how into what possibility there is of intimacy with Bhagwan. I met a fellow once who was in the Denver airport selling the Bhagavatam and I offered him the Srimad Bhagavatam. He said, I don't need the book. I said, okay. Good. But he wanted to explain why. He said, it's a religious book. And in my religion, he said, we know the social life of God. And I thought it was very nice. I thought, what? Well, that's cool. That's so the stand in the way you're saying, you know so much about God that you know his social life. You're saying you know him on, you know, intimate terms. He's not just some vague idea, abstract Brahman or God with no face or, or whatever, you know. Um, you know his social life. I, I, so I said, that's really interesting. What, what is his social life? He said, they said, he had a son, you know, and the son sent his son to the world. And I said, oh, okay, well, you need this book because it talks about his mother, his father, <laughs> you know, his friends, his lovers. So I managed to sell him the Bhagavatam. Hmm. So, <laughs> so this is, it's objective. Whether you think, then you have to think whether, or people have to think whether that's what it's all about. How intimate you can become with God hmm? in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, all possibilities have been talked about. It's very. This may not be popular in academics, but it's very inclusive. <laughs> Actually, it's very inclusive. We find other religious traditions are included. Their their ideals are included within it to a large extent. Yes? Sometimes we hear that Jiva Goswami presented the um, Sukhiya Ras of Krishna and the Gopis as a ploy to have it more accepted within the Banashram system or have at the times people would be more accepting of Krishna's relationship with the Gopis. And so my question is with like Gopal Champu did it really happen that Krishna married the gopis and had that as the end of his leela that he finished off with that? Or is that 
without a, a literary device. I, 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 yeah. I know that. Yeah, the argument. So, you know, it's a big topic. But there, there seemed to be a difference between Rupa Goswami and Jiva Goswami's writing on the Parakya because Jiva Goswami and Gopal Champu and Brahma Samhita and Krishna Sandarbha, hmm? his ma- all of his main works makes the point that, appears to make the point that Parakya is in the Prakat Leela, the manifest Leela on earth, but in the Paravyom, in the uppercut Leela, the unmanifest Leela, Radha and Krishna are married. And Rupa Goswami speaks about Parakya as the ideal hmm? in the uppercut Leela. So, well, over these centuries, then devotees have obviously tried to bring them in harmony, and there are some things that Jiva Goswami says in Ujjwal Nilmani, for example, he, I believe, ends his commentary with a statement that, so here I've written some things, and some things are for others, and some are what I believe in, something like that. So they take that and say, well, he's written about Swakia here, and he seems to be saying Swakia, but, he, but he, his own opinion is Parakia. So he's catered to some people in the times who had a difficulty with the idea that Krishna could be... Um, I mean, think about it. Have, it, have an illicit love life. Let's say you heard about some guy and he had an island in the in the, you know, Caribbean and he was claiming to be God and he was having illicit affairs with ladies. We'd immediately write him off just like that. Hmm? Of course, the difference here is that there are a lot of people who have glorified Krishna. <laughs> a lot of people have, you know, there's a lot been written about him. He, the yogis meditate upon him. Even the Mayavadis say he's the most perfect form of Saguna Brahman that the world has ever seen, uh, and so on and so forth. There's a difference, but there's a similarity too to to this idea. And so people of a more dharmic time, if you will, uh, it's thought had some difficulty with the idea, just putting wrapping their head around that Krishna's romancing with other people's wives, as it appears, and so forth. So Jiva Goswami, for their sake, this is how it's thought by some, emphasized swakiya, which means married, samridhiman sambhog, at the end of the, you know, each type of vipralamba, each type of separation has a corresponding type of union. There are four types of separation. The puvarag, separation before meeting in the first place, and so on. Uh, Krishna's going into the forest for the day, then hmm? ultimately, of course, his, lo- his long journey. Hmm? The separation that occurs in his presence, like in Brahma Gita, there the Radharani is speaking to the bumblebee, uh, this kind of thing. And then after a long time, long time means after going to Mathura, going to Dwarka, and returning, that Stambhog then it corresponds with that Vipralama is called Samridhiman Sambhog, and it's a supreme union, so he's depicted the union as culminating in, in Swakiya, in marriage, which is the ideal of the gopis. The ideal of the gopis is not to be Krishna's illicit lover, but to be his, to be his husband, or his wife, excuse me, to live in the house of Nandamars. That's their ideal. But um, while he may have been writing for some to pacify them, and for others 
to express his own opinion, and according to the times, found a necessity to do that, which is possible. Preaching and Siddhanta are not always the same. Um, at the same time, there is a realm within Goloka where Radha and Krishna are married. Hmm? And uh, that uh, one can attain that possibility. That 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 that's not what uh, the Goswamis have ultimately emphasized, but that possibility exists. Also, beyond that, in one sense, what Jiva Goswami is saying is they're married, they're married, they're married. Like in Gopal Champu, Purnamasi says, they always will be. They never weren't. Never a time when they won't be. Again and again and again, stressing this. So Swakya means belonging. And parakya means like another, so uh, belonging. He wants to emphasize the siddhanta, and Jiva Goswami is the tattvacharya. He's not the bhavacharya. I suppose you could call that Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur. And look at the difference in their commentaries, and you see Jiva Goswami is always emphasizing the siddhanta, the conclusions, the philosophical side. He does it beautifully in Gopal Champu in the context of explaining the Bhavas. He's giving the Siddhanta. Hmm? Right? So the Siddhanta is what? That not only do the gopis belong to Krishna, not only is Krishna the husband of the gopis, but Krishna is the husband of the gopis' husbands. He's the husband of everybody. Hmm? This is the Siddhanta. Right? The bhava is an illusion hmm? that there that they be, that, that that anyone belongs to anyone other than Krishna. That is an illusion hmm? in the material world that there's some separation, uh, and that in the, in the lila that that, uh, that that the gopis, for example, belong to anyone else. Hmm? Even the it's described that the the so-called husband of Radha. Abhimanyu is a particular manifestation of Krishna hmm? for the sake of Leela. Hmm? So the Siddhanta is one thing, the Bhava is another thing, but the Bhava at the same time is the most real because why? It gives the most pleasure to Hari. So therefore, Sansadira said earlier, Hari Toshna, because it pleases Hari the most, then uh, it, it certainly can't be dismissed. Hmm? But from a philosophical point of view, then we our metaphysic is a is a philo theological philosophical theological point of view. Bade abed. Bade means difference, abed means non difference. The abed, the non difference, is the philosophy. The bade, the difference, is the theology in a sense. Hmm? So the philosophy is one, but it may afford different experiences, different bhavas. Sakirasa, Batsalirasa, Madhuryarasa, Baikuntha, Goloka, Ayodhya, and so forth. Hmm? That difference is beautiful. It doesn't compromise the, the, the unity of the of the philosophy. Hmm? So a religio philosophical ideal, and there's uh, they're one and different kind of at the same time. Hmm? So from a philosophical point of view. Everything belongs to Krishna. From a philosophical point of view, we are Krishna. We're his Shakti. His Shakti has no independent existence from him. What's his 
is him. What's mine is me. Right? My my defines my I, as we said the other night. So all these shaktis, they belong to Krishna. They have no independent existence from him. They are one with him in that sense. We are constituted of one of the shaktis, tatasta shakti. We are Krishna. But <laughs> we don't stop there, right? But we're also different from Krishna. And that's that's kind of the good part in, in, in another sense because that makes the possibility of rasa, bhava, ecstasy, and so forth that reaches far beyond the kind of ecstasy you could have of just being one with the absolute and ending all the false differences that arise in the, from the mind and the senses. Hmm? So, so he wants to, as the tattva acharya, the acharya amongst the Goswamis, who emphasize the tattva and the siddhanta more than, like Satsandharva, you know, I mean, uh, in his uh, Kramsandharva, his commentary on Bhagavatam, Gopal Champu is, is in all of his works, these the Leela works, you find so much more Siddhanta in there than you'll find, for example, in the writings of the other uh, other Leela books of like Raghunathas Goswami or Rupa Goswami. Um, more Tattva. So it's a nice mixture of you know, Tattva and, and Bhava. Hmm. But, but anyway, as a Tattvachara, he's emphasizing, in a sense, that don't think these gopis belong to anybody else. They belong to Krishna. Hmm? And there is a poss- the, 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 the marriage of Radha and Krishna in Golok. That's also um, a, a, on the, in Golok. Not in Gokul. In Golok. Hmm. Golok is, some, some majesty is there in Golok. That's why they say there's a difference between Gokul and Golok. The Kadamba trees are bigger in Golok. <laughs> there's more of some, some majesty there. It's called Devalila. And the Gokulila is Narlila on earth. But there is a center of the lotus of Golok that is also Gokul. And it's non-different from Gokul here. So there's Parakia there as well. So, so we generally think of it like this, that he's taking a license there to write in such a way as to emphasize the Siddhanta. And in the context of that, of course, he's playing out all the different bhavas of Goloka, all the possibilities. And in the end, he says, and so make your choice and go there. Hmm. Does that help? Yes. <coughs> I had a question from yesterday. Okay. Um, initiating gurus, instructing gurus, and you had said something about if we give rain and fertilizer but we don't plant any seed, then there's no crop. And I was wondering what, what goes on at initiation? What, how is that different? Because I'd always thought just giving this information is kind of planting a seed. When people hear about that, that's, that plants the seed of the desire within your heart. Is there something different that goes on? Generally, siksha leads to diksha. Devotees will give instructions to others who don't know about Krishna consciousness. Hmm? And in the context then of the the faith that's awakened from that hmm, brings them into the association of devotees. And in the context of that association, one devotee's siksha stands out. Hmm? Right? Like 
somebody told you about Krishna consciousness, and then so you wanted to associate with devotees, and then you met a devotee named Prabhupada who was, you know, writing the books and so forth. I never met him really. Um, that's another part of the question. Like what? Uh-huh, we'll get to that too then. Yeah. Um, at any rate, Prabhupada's your guru, right? Yes. You don't have any doubts about that, do you? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, but still I want to understand what, what this right. is all about. Right, yeah, it is a big topic. Um, okay, we're, we spent a few lifetimes trying to figure that out, but <laughs> what happened to us one day, <laughs> um, still waking up from that, but um, the general idea is, as I say anyway, we may be... In the context of association with devotees, one devotee stands out as someone who really captures our faith, who really exemplifies the teaching, who's, who answers our questions before we can ask them, and that kind of thing. And so we, his or her siksha leads to, Puja Pachitamash put it like this, if, I, if, if, they, if the guru captures you with his siksha, then you capture him. Hmm? Say, all right, now you... Uh, You've captured me with your siksha. I can't go anywhere else. So now you have to accept me. And so then, so the siksha leads to the diksha. And then, of course, there's subsequent siksha, lots of it that's necessary to water the seed. Before faith really dawns and is refined, it may dawn in the form of, hmm, this is it. This is what I should be doing. This is the goal of life. Hmm? Uh, sometimes the seed is talked about in that way. Hmm? But then it's refined in terms of an, an agent that fosters that faith, that nourishes that faith by example and by further siksha. Hmm? And in that refining, I might avoid other associations and, and, and so forth. And, and, and so, uh, previous to that, say, let's say, meeting the guru and an initiation where that you're now formally treading the path under guidance with instruction and so on and so forth and following the example, and there's a bottom line that says no, uh, that kind of thing. Then it's just a seated example. There is some activity that goes on under the ground before the seed pops up, right? You're a farmer, so you know that there's roots going out and so on. So that's all kind of sukriti, agyata sukriti, gyata sukriti. It's kind of a spiritual merit that's growing by association with devotees, by instruction and so forth. People are getting the instruction, they're thinking about it. They come to visit the, you know, to the devotees and they think, this is pretty interesting, I like it, you know. Or they may not seem to like it at all, but still they're getting something, right? Agyat, without knowing. Then with some knowing, they're coming. With some knowing. And the idea is that their knowing becomes more conclusive by association with a particular sadhu and they become convinced to tread the path with guidance and under that particular you know, guide so this is then the, the seed coming up above the ground and going, boom, here, you know, it's, it's the beginning. Ado Shraddha begins with faith. There's a kind of a 
sadhu-sangha that precedes that, some faith comes, sadhu-sangha follows that, faith is refined, and in the context of that sadhu-sangha, a sadhu is selected hmm, as my guide, and then we begin to formally tread the path at the time of diksha, hmm, where the bhajana kriya then is instructed. Each guru will instruct the disciple, you know, somewhat differently, or it depends on the situation. He may have general rules for all the disciples, and he may not have the, pa- the capacity to speak to each one individually. Prabhupada had a big mission like that. Hmm? Um, uh, but generally, this is the idea. So then there's the principle of the siksha guru who can come hmm, and give particular, just like, you know, there was a time when, for example, we had, uh, I had a bus and three or four vans and sixty brahmacharis. I think we had. It was after the Radhadamba party, party split up, and some of them went to Gita Nagari, and then we were in St. Louis with a little sh- shoebox house that was ready to be destroyed by the municipality, and, and um, with the money that they gave us, we bought another place. But anyway, we had this house and a bus, and. Um, it was converted into a temple and three or four vans and the devotees would go out everywhere and street books and do Sankirtan and come back to the shoebox house every now and then when all of them were there. There were 60 brahmacharis and I was in charge of them. They were all disciples of Prabhupada, all of us. But whatever I said, practically, any of those, they were all brahmacharis, would do. Hmm? Incidentally, out of 60, two of them, I think, or three of them became sannyasis. So. But anyway... Uh, it was a fun time, and the point is that I was, in effect, a kind of a siksha guru for them. I want to talk about this concept of siksha guru and different types of siksha gurus, you know, as, as we go on. We're going to speak about this subject in Hillsborough, but um, so I was an agency through which Prabhupada was giving more detailed instructions. Like I'd see Mahamantra, who's now um, what is his name? Uh, I gave him the name Bhakti Vishramba. Madhav Maharaj, he asked me to give him a sannyas name, although someone else gave him sannyas. I see him like this, with his left hand on this thing, and I grab his left hand and pull it off. Not like that, you know, like this. And so, you know, and some other more important instructions as well. <laughs> we were a recruit bunch. Um, so that kind of, you know, detailed instruction along the path requires some guidance. This is the idea of the guru. The guru exemplifies standard of behavior and so forth and brings the theoretical into the practical. And um, while he may not be able to do that individually in a large group through other agencies um, assisting him, he can fulfill that kind of obligation, really, to guide the student. So what happens at the time of initiation? What's the, di- what's, what's the difference? Hmm? Well, one difference is this, is that you have heard about Krishna consciousness. You're interested in Krishna consciousness. You want to participate in Krishna consciousness. But Sridharmarsh once said, at the time of the passing of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he asked for the song, Sri Rupa Manjari Pada, Rupa Goswami's song, would be chanted. So, uh, Pramod Purimarsh, who had a beautiful voice, he began singing the song. And and he was known for a kirtan and so forth. And then Sridharmarsh stopped him and said, no, 
I didn't want to hear the sweet voice. Bhakti Siddhanta. Bhakti Siddhanta. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Bhakti stopped him and said, "No, I don't want to hear the sweet voice. I want to hear the with realization." And Puri Maharaj was so egoless. He had so much realization, so pure. And he just stepped aside that and pushed Sri Maharaj forward, whom he revered. I want to say that Puri Maharaj couldn't find a purer person. I don't tell the story for for anything other than making the point that both of them are pure. And Bhaktisiddhanta, anyway, he had his own. He wanted to hear Sri Maharaj sing. So Sri Maharaj sang, I guess, not in the sweetest voice, Sri Rupa Manjari Pala. So then his godbrothers took notice of that and they said, so at that time, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsitakra gave Sri Maharaj entrance into Rupa Manjari's camp. But Sri Maharaj said, I did not think like that. My thought was, as Bhakti Rakkak, Rakkak means protector of Bhakti, he positioned me just outside the gate, he said, and I'm not letting just anyone in, not just anyone. So, in other words, we, to make my point, we may have been interested in Krishna concept, maybe some faith is aroused and so forth, we want to pursue it, but somebody has to let us in. Somebody has to accept, who has some standing there, of spiritual consequence, has to let us in. Almost, he has to say, I'll take you there, hmm? and on the strength of my standing there, you can have access. Because after all, hmm? we are Jeevatattva, Jeevshakti. We're not the council of the Vladini, Sandini, and uh, Samvit Shakti. We're a tiny atomic particle of Satchit and Ananda, tiny particle we don't have the capacity on, in and of ourselves, on our, our own, to function in that realm. But by connection with that, with that, that Swarup Shakti through Guru Parampara, then like we have pennies, that's the land of dollars. If you connect your pennies with dollars, then you have dollars. <laughs> you have more capital to spend, and so forth. So. The, what happens at the time of in, initiation is then so, this this flow hmm, of bhakti coming through the guru parampara, this constituted sarup shakti, it starts to come. Even at the time of initiation, it shows up very practically at the time of bhava because it takes a particular shape, shuddhashatma, visheshatma. It takes a, sh- a shape of a particular kind of knowing and a corresponding particular type of ecstasy. This is samvit and ladini shakti. It means, if you study it, you see those who have samvit, a knowing that I'm the friend of Krishna, hmm? then their ladini will take a certain shape hmm? in terms of sneha, pranai, man, rag, anurag, bhav, mahabhav, or if he's a gopi, or if she's a... Uh, uh, parental lover of Krishna, then um, uh, that ladini will, or that ecstasy will, uh, bliss potency will have a certain measure and shape, and the samvit a certain kind of knowing. So uh, this is what constitutes one sarup. So it, at bhava, this starts to manifest as buds. And we we say this is the ingress now of the sarup shakti, but it actually begins much earlier than that, the time of initiation. 
We get nam from someone whose nam is not aparad, whose nam is not abhas, hmm? shuddhanam. Hmm? We get the mantra. Actually, harinam is is not dependent upon initiation, but harinam doesn't choose to reveal itself to someone who avoids the guru, because that's called what? Guru avagya, to disrespect the guru. After all, we get Harinam from a guru whether we think about it or not, right? Those are the ones that are the sadhus are distributing it, hmm? or their agents, the guru's agents and disciples and so forth. So if then we take the Harinam, but we disregard the principle of learning the secrets of the name, the truth about the name, the whole philosophy of the name and so forth, from the agent, hmm? that becomes Guru Abhagya, which is a f- means to disregard the guru. This is an offense to the name, so they can only chant Nam Aparad. Hmm? You're in the hope of chanting Shuddha Nam in that situation. Hmm? So, when we accept the, when the guru accepts us, somebody from that side, with standing there, take responsibility, then, well, this is a different situation. Right? You wanted to go in, just like, I'll give you another example. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not let just anybody into Srivas Angam, into the courtyard of Srivas Thakur, where he was performing kirtan. People tried to get in, he threw them out. Some people sat along the shore of the Ganges thinking, we're not qualified to get in, but we sure would like to. You know those devotees that come, so I'm not qualified, Prabhu. We think, get that guy. <laughs> he's had some humility, you know. He actually, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, get him. He, he's really qualified. Something like that. So they sat out there. They felt like this. And Mahaprabhu came out of the Srivasa's house and took his kirtan to the street for them. This is the beginning of his sankirtan. Into the streets he took it, everywhere. And then the Kazi opposed, the Muslims opposed, and other Hindus opposed, and so on it went. And they took sannyas and traveled everywhere just to teach us how to go into that Srivasangam, into that Rasakirtan there. So we may want to get in, but somebody has to come out and say, come on in. Hmm? Um, you know, and, and they see, well, they don't seek qualification in one sense, but they see a little faith and they see the culture of that faith and so forth. And so the guru has faith. And faith means, means, faith means realization. It means standing. It means no doubt. Hmm? So all this whole gradation of bhakti, hmm, the ninefold steps of Goswami, it's all a gradation of faith, really. In one sense. So, his or her, the guru, standing in faith corresponds with realization of the significance of the mantra. Mantra diksha, initiation, when we initiation, when we give the mantra, the mantra is not different than the name. It, it's, it's, a, it's in the dative case rather than the vocative case, and it's a particular formula hmm, from which you can get dasya bhakti for Krishna, sakya bhakti, vatsalya, krishnaya, Govindaya, Mother Gopi Janavalabhaya, Saha. Hmm? So, the, the Guru has some standing in this, gives the mantra as a formula. He has the capacity to assess the student's um, reality and potential hmm? as it comes out by practicing bhakti. He edits and so forth and so on. So, this kind of guidance is, is essential. At the time of Diksha, then. The guru is accepting the student and imparting something like this. It's like a vaccine. You know, it's like a... 
it's it's like a seed experience of what the experience is, so that you can understand it. You have some familiarity with it. So it's very uh, there's and of course then you 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 raise the raise the point that well you didn't maybe maybe you got that mantra on a tape or something like that rather than meeting Prabhupada personally. But you you saw probably maybe he never talked to you or something personally. Hmm? So my question, well, the question, some of my question, well, what's you know, what's my you know connection with Prabhupada? What's anybody's need for a connection? When I never even you know he never talked to me. I I got it on tape. The tape's still available. I have the tape. Hmm. We could just give the tape, and what's the difference? So you know, you know logically, one could think along those lines and, and wonder. And so forth, and of course the difference is 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 huge. And I'll give you an example. One time, Prabhupada invited Sridhar Maharaj to his moth, to Trindadaya Mandir in Mayapur, to oversee the installation of the the deity Anantasaya. put in the ground and the foundation of the temple. They put a deity of Anantasaya, who's said to be like the principle of gravity or something, holding everything up in the in the ground and do a ritual and build a temple on top of that. So Sridhar Maharaj was invited, and Govinda Maharaj, his student, came along, and Prabhupada, he said, he meeted, greeted me on his brand in his gumcha, you know, and just like a towel. He was such an intimate friend. And uh, he brought me in, and then he served us nice prashad. Hmm? And after the prashad was served, he said, please, you come and uh, take rest in my bed. It's the custom usually in the afternoon, take a little rest, a little siesta. After after lunch, mm. you know, Prabhupada, you might want to know this. Um, Prabhupada said in his Bhagavad Gita, one should not sleep more than six or seven hours, isn't it right? Mm-hmm. But in his forming of the League of Devotees, he had a policy which was his pr- prior to ISKCON. His policy was that the devotee will sleep six hours at night from ten until four, and then after lunch they will take a two-hour rest. <laughs> So there's some leeway there for the. <laughs> you need eight hours. Is that okay? <laughs> really, the spirit is just don't oversleep. Sleep as much as you need uh, to do service and be attentive. So at any rate, he said to Shudamash, "Please, you, you you come and take rest." So Shudamash, uh, he took rest, and Prabhupada went down and performed the whole function. So afterwards, Gwindamurth said that Swami Maharaj, he said to Prabhupada, "You know, I have a question." Yes, what is it? And well. You invite our Guru Maharaj here to oversee the whole, you know, installation of the deity, right? He's come over here. You've given him nice prashad, and he asked him to take a rest, and you went and did the whole thing. Hmm? And Prabhupada said, "Oh, there is nothing. By his will, it is done. Hmm? By his will, it is done. Hmm? He gave consent. I didn't want to trouble him with having to do. Uh, he's older, and you know, he wasn't really older. Maybe a year or two older, but he wasn't in as good health as Prabhupada." And, Prabhupada had great respect for him, so he said, I didn't want him to actually have to go and do the details of anything physical. Uh, but his, by his will, it's done. So Pujapachitamaraj gave this example to answer this kind of a question. Hmm? Because some he was told some disciples of Prabhupada never saw him, even saw him. There's a few. Because, hmm? you know, he was initiating in, you know, in Argentina, you know, and he was in India at the time through the tape. And, but his will was behind it. So Sridhar said, because of the will of the Vaishnava, everything is accomplished. Hmm? This is the essence, then, of the, of the Diksha, if you will. He accepts. 
is given his will, his consent. So it's not a place that we can barge in. We have to be led in, so to speak, by someone. Someone has to t- vouch for us, so to speak. Hmm? So um, Prabhupada, you know, he gave the tape, and that was his system, right? And then even even for that matter, you had to get permission from somebody in your local temple. Hmm? Yeah, the temple president had to give you permission, and then he had to write to Prabhupada, and then probably get permission. It's just it's a bit of a lesson there, you know. Like I say, the lesson is you can't just barge in there. Of course, if the temple president was, you know, you could get around them sometimes too, <laughs> <laughs> if need be, which is often the case. But uh, the, there's a lesson in that, and the lesson is, as I say, you, we, it's a descending process. So hmm, Krishna has his method. He reaches out to us if he accepts us through that agency then this is the beginning, real, the formal beginning of our spiritual life. And that person has to have some seed. Again, if the fruit is mature, or even maybe before it's mature, there are some seeds in it also. Hmm? He has some seeds. Hmm? And if he gives good water (laughs) and good sunlight to those seeds, they'll also grow. Hmm? They can be taken care of. Hmm? You can give an excellent seed also, but no watering. That could be a problem. You could give a poorer seed and lots of watering. Hmm? And lots of care, and so and then, then there can be a good result also. But he has to have some seeds to give. He got a seed. The seed has to grow. It has to blossom. Hmm? The tree has to start to blossom. You know, oh, some fruit is coming. Some seed is there. That might be good association. As the seed starts to come, then he has seeds to give out. She has seeds to give out. So it implies uh, some depth of... Um, realization of that which is being given out is 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 what is given um, unseen so to speak in the will in the faith it's my experience of the mantra that's why often is the case more often than not that the bhava that the guru is in is what the bhava that the disciple gets the, the exception would be if in a previous life he had association, initiation from a different, and so he may have a different. That's possible. Or he comes from that side to here. That's also a possibility. Hmm? Or he may find a, he may develop a combination of two, like Madhurya, Sakya mixed with Madhurya for a different. It's largely a product of association hmm? and the sharing of the faith. Yes, Nitya To bring the discussion to the um, Guru Tattva and the, the Rinpik, um conception, taking, like what you were just saying, that there has to be the acceptance, the sense that the Prabhupada said, yes, well, Sridhar Maharaj has done this because he has condoned it. So those that are following the Rinpik philosophy use the letter that was written on behalf of Prabhupada, but signed by Prabhupada, by Tamal Krishna Goswami, that henceforward, and thus this is like etched in their stone, that this is how it is, henceforward. And there's no movement on convincing them logically or otherwise that this letter does not mean, henceforward, Prabhupada is now given permission for that. Mm. Well, as you said, if they don't listen to logic, it's pretty hard. (laughs) (laughs) And there are people like that. (laughs) So, 
nonetheless, we have a fair amount of logic for those who, you know, who, who can uh, separate themselves from their emotions and um, their apparent love and adherence for Prabhupada that um, causes them to uh, embrace an idea that is not, that doesn't correspond with what he taught. Hmm? And so I think you have to look at, you know, letters like that or that particular letter in context and um, in the context of the entirety of the teachings that Prabhupada represented and what, on what basis Prabhupada um, taught us that he was credible. He was credible, he taught us, on the basis of following the previous acharyas and he was credible on the basis of being a the current link in the Guru Parampara, which is ongoing. And ironically, when there's a problem with the teaching, the answer that Krishna gives to Arjuna, who asks, you know, what if the teaching should get lost? He says that uh, when there's a problem with this, did Arjuna ask? But anyway, Arjuna, Krishna said, evam parampara praptam. Imam When yoga nashta pranta, when there's what's the teachings, which is kind of like it's been going on for a few years, then the answer is parampara. Hmm? Krishna says there's a, needs to be a current acharya who can explain according to the time and the circumstances. So this is the extension of the previous acharya. That's why I say what Prabhupada would say now. We don't have to question if we're connected with the parampara hmm? because the current representation gives that answer hmm? according to time and circumstances as is required but um, so the, the whole the whole the idea that Prabhupada would give an instruction that contradicts the Bhagavad Gita undermines the very teaching that Prabhupada gave as to his credibility he's credible because he doesn't change the teaching hmm? he taught they'll say well he can change whatever he wants right He's a pure devotee, so he can do whatever he wants. But that's not what he taught us. He didn't taught us that the pure devotee just does whatever he wants. He taught us the pure devotee is pure because he follows hmm? the system or what Krishna's will. He follows that. He's a good follower. Hmm? And he can do whatever he wants. means he can be whatever he wants to be in Krishna Lila because he's a good follower or something like Like if you do it right, then, then you, 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 know, you can fly as high as you like in the sky of spiritual ambition, but credibility of Prophet again, derived from the fact that he followed. Not that he made it up as he went along. In fact, he readily criticized that and taught us, you know, emphatically, he emphasized, you can't just make it up as you go along. There has to be support from Scripture. Where's the support from Scripture for this idea? Where's the, where's the, the example? And then the logic of it also is very limited. I mean, for what, 10,000 years? And then you take the 10,000 years. I mean, what's 10,000 years? <laughs> you can't imagine what 10,000 years and what things will change and so forth. And that's another example. You want to make that the center of your religious ideal? Prabhupada's books will be the book, law books for the next 10,000 years? Something he said in passing to Satsarut Marsh once in a car? You're going to make that the central pivot when he said a thousand times, a thousand and eight times in his books, the teachings are relevant according to time and circumstance and need to be adjusted and so forth. Well, you know, how's something that was said at one time going to be good for all times for, for the next 10,000 years? It's a total distortion. 
he said it, you know, who knows what he meant, what he was thinking, and so forth. But what he's teaching is is something very different than how that's been interpreted. So you, this is another instance in the letter than that one. He, they take these things and piece them together in a way that shows they don't have any ruchi for bhakti. <laughs> they can quote and put, but it doesn't make any sense for someone who has a real feeling for how the thing works and what the what the what the teachings are and who's who's been acquainted with it. Um, um, who has some real acquaintance with it. So um, I've written some things about this, and we could go on, I suppose, at, at, at length, but um, there's, well, there's evidence to the contrary as well. Okay, There's, a, there's some question about what Prabhupada meant. There's a couple of meetings, a letter, and a couple of conversations that they you know, make the hub around which the whole rhythmic idea orbits. And it's been demonstrated that they could be interpreted possibly different ways. They take these statements and they say, here's what he said. That's it. It's literal. Here's what he said. Hmm? Now, if you try to counter that by saying, well, this is what he meant. This is what he said. He tells what he meant. This is what he said. Uh, Yeah, but that's a point I'm going to make. But then when you go to a certain inter- conversation, they start to interpret there all of a sudden. And then you say, wait, no, this is what he said. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You can't have it, you know, the cake and eat it too. You know, you, you <laughs> so uh, uh, then, 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 so then, when we get to the point, the, to the fact that there is interpretation involved here, hmm? okay, there's one interpretation, there's another interpretation. Then then you have to interpret on the side that is consistent with the standard and the Siddhanta for thousands of years. You can't interpret on the side that contradicts all of that precedent and so forth and be credible. Hmm? You have a choice to make. It's It's an interpretation. The right thing to do, the positive thing to do, the correct thing to do, always, is to interpret according to the Siddhanta that has been given by the predecessor Acharyas and their their example. That brings our Guru then in line with the predecessor Acharyas and the other interpretation takes him out of the loop and then his credibility is questionable in actual spiritual circles and you create a cult centered around one particular person and he doesn't have the check and balance of the Shastra and Sadhus and so forth that are required. What do the Sadhus say? Of course, the, there are no Sadhus. There's only Prabhupada. So that's easy. That's, con, that's convenient. What does the Shastra say? There's only Prabhupada's books, you know? And we interpret them the way we want. But you, there are things, you have to, if you read Prabhupada's books well, you know you're supposed to read other books and that they're based on other books. And if you know those other books, you know exactly what he's saying here. Because this is exactly what's being said in such and such Sandarbha and, and Prabhupada's saying it in a certain way. You know that. And you go there and you see, this is what he really means here if you want to get the full meaning of it. And he, 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 by initiating us, Prabhupada as his disciples, he brings us into this whole family of literature, sadhus, and so on and so forth. He's not just some independent maverick, you know. <laughs> That's not what he taught. And so we kind of, by that kind of, Poor logic, if you will. We we separate Prabhupada out from what he taught, made him credible, and we lose the whole contact of the whole Guru Parampara, the whole blessing, the capacity to understand his statements in context of the entire teaching that he represents. You know, it wasn't he wasn't teaching Prabhupadaism. Hmm? 
And that's his greatness. That's the greatness. <laughs> that's what we celebrate. That's what makes him so worshipable. I mean, you know, he really characteristically, Prabhupada, uh, you know, whenever you would glorify him, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, my groomer said, you know, uh, ordered me to do this. I'm a, you know, the dog of a Vaishnava only, you know. These kind of things are um, the, the statements that characterize Prabhupada. All these glorifications of Prabhupada that are in excess. What I mean by that? What do I mean? How can you how can you glorify Prabhupada enough? But I mean that there's a there's a system to glorification. There's a science to the glorification. Like you take Sarup Damodar Goswami. Who was he? Secretary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So people would come and offer some poetry in glorification of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And it would go through Srup Damodar. And if it wasn't correct according to the Siddhanta and Rasatattva, it wouldn't be offered to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It would be painful to his ears, Srup concluded. Hmm? Rasa is not just a, however you feel. There are parameters to it. We call Rasatattva. Hmm? And then there's Siddhanta. Hmm? So there's a glorification. To be glorification has to conform with certain standards. Otherwise, it's not. It, it, lo- it looks like glorification. It sounds like, but it's actually um, just the opposite. So uh, that's what I mean sometimes when I say you know, an excess of glorification. Prabhupada put it in the terms like religion without, this is a statement by Tagore actually that Prabhupada used to quote, without philosophy is mere sentiment. Sometimes he said is fanaticism. Hmm? So Prabhupada wasn't interested in mere sentiment. He wanted wise sentiment, wise love. He wasn't just bhakti, he was bhakti vedanta. So there's a head to the heart also that makes the heart a wise heart hmm? Hmm? and and then makes it, the, the wise heart means real love. A heart that's not wise is just a uh, you know, shadow of love. It's really lust. It's really desire to put oneself in the forefront. Hmm? Jai Prabhupada, and I don't have to listen to anybody else. He's not here either. (laughs) Thank God. I mean, and that's what it looks. That's what it looks like too, when it's all played out. Because what's the bread and butter, the the food of these people? Vaishnava Parad, practically. Hmm? I mean, that's just. Uh, striking. And somebody told me, Dual Chandler told me, uh, well, told me the other day. I mean, this is everywhere, unfortunately. It, it, there's the Ritvik themselves, and then there's the kind of covert Ritvikism that, that, that I think uh, is kind of lends itself to, hmm? unfortunately, uh, sometimes. And, you know, look at the condition of the BBT. Right, I heard they were broke. They can only print little books like this at the Bhagavatam, right? Instead of the big volume, the Prabhupada wanted a standard and so forth. And uh, it's, it's. The, I mean, there are some symptoms of things that these kind of extremes, hmm, all with good sentiment, which the road to hell is paved with, right? We're told, hmm, all with good sentiment, but without proper understanding of not scripture and so forth, without a good head. And what happens? We have to use our head to soften our heart. We find hard-heartedness in this attacking other Vaishnavas and so forth. I mean, people have made mistakes. I mean, I'm just as much a victim of, you know, the problems that went on, you know, 
years ago in ISKCON as anybody else. We all fared in different ways, and, you know, dealt with it and so forth. But, um, I mean, I was abused by some of the leaders. I won't mention their name, but they also helped me hmm, at some point. So I'm trying to remember that part. Hmm? Why not? <laughs> That's good for me. That helps my bhakti. Just remembering the part that they didn't help me with. Or they did. They taught me, you know, by example, how not to be. It was a little painful <laughs> <laughs> at times. But, but you know, I may have done that too, to some extent. So, what about that? <laughs> hmm? I was a less than perfect later, for sure. Uh, so, you know, I mean, a little honesty all it takes, and you can be very humble really fast <laughs> and respect everyone. <laughs> Just a little honesty, then. Satam means honest. That's another name for devotee. So you don't find these things in, in, that, in that sector. Hmm? And maybe they feed people in Bangalore, you know, great. You know, that's great. It's a good thing. But that's not Guru Parampara. <laughs> yes? Yeah, another strong argument is that if we look through Prabhupada's books and letters, there's no less than 30 references where he expected his disciples to initiate according to their qualification. And they base their whole philosophy on one word. Right. That there won't be. Yeah. There are letters for Prabhupada also. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. In the henceforward letter, isn't that the one where he names the eleven? No, that's a different conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the one they have to interpret to screw out their, their meaning from. He said, probably said clearly, they'd be regular gurus. Initiating mm-hmm. within his society on his behalf, but they're regular gurus. It's very clear, but they have to change, they have to twist it all around to some imaginary. They're like the Maimais, they have to twist the direct meaning to get some indirect, distorted, twisted meaning out of it. The henceforward letter was written because Prabhupada was ill in Vrindavan. There were so many devotees that needed initiation, so this was a practical managerial thing. Henceforward, while he's there, this this system of Ritvik will be used to initiate on his behalf. He's given blessings for that. That's all that was. It's a simple managerial sort of... Which is standard, according to previous precedents and so forth, That the, and in Prabhupada's presence, he had Ritvik. I was Ritvik for Prabhupada. He gave me beads of devotees to chant on. He asked us to come up with names and so forth at different times, different sannyasis. Yes, Matura? So, if, what is the history of the word Ritvik then? The history of the word Ritvik is, is that a Ritvik is a priest hmm, that um, officiates. It's kind of an officiating priest. And um, it's usually a term that's um, more relative to the, to the karma marg where you have priests performing rituals and so on and so forth. But in the Gaudiya context, it um, is like in the example I gave. Prabhupada was the Ritvik for installing the deity in Mayapur, and Sridhar Maharaj gave the will, the blessing. Prabhupada officiated, carried it out. So when Prabhupada asked me, to said, chant on these beads, hmm? or he asked you to you know, come up with a name for the disciple and so forth, then those of us who did that, sometimes at his request, we were officiating. We were doing the, the detail, the, the will, the blessing was coming from Prabhupada, the sanction and so forth. So generally then, um, 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 
well, what I'm, the point I'm going to make is there's a big difference between the officiating and the will. Hmm? So if you have the officiating without the will, then you've got a problem. In Prophet's presence, then where his will was expressed, and he selected someone to be the rhythmic. He didn't just select anybody, either. He picked certain people to, 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 to act in that capacity. If you want to look back at the history of Prabhupada selecting people, some people say, well, he only picked these 11 people to be Ritviks, right? That's what they say. Then you got a problem, because those 11 people aren't acting like Ritviks, and some of them are really acting weird. So, um, what are you going to do? Now you're going to make up your own Ritviks? But that's not what Prabhupada... Prabhupada didn't authorize this guy or that guy or you or whoever. So now here you are. Now you're interpreting. Now you're adding. You're, you're, Prabhupada said, according to them, literally, these are the 11 Ritviks. Well, these 11 Ritviks are gone now. They don't rally around Hansa Duda. I think he's still a Ritvik. You know, they're against him, too. Uh, he, he, he should come in and say, I'm the only Ritvik that's actually following. Yeah, he probably does. You know, Whatever. At least he stands up for what he believes in, I suppose. But... But um, they're, they're advocating a system that doesn't even exist. They're saying, they're saying this is the history. Prabhupada named these 11 people. They were supposed to be writ fixed. Initiation was supposed to come through them. So they're not there anymore. There is no system. So now they just interpolate, make up their own system, and add it. And I don't know who the writ gurus are. Is it anybody or everybody or... or who gets to be the, you know, yeah, maybe you, I, you know. I've heard one thing. <laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe somebody else has heard that actually the biggest Rikvik camp, the huge temple in India, they have not, quote, quote, initiated anyone since they began. Is that correct? Does anybody I've else? Heard the same thing. Yeah. So they, they just suspended initiation indefinitely. Who does the deity worship? I'm just saying, this is what I've heard. I've never visited there. I don't know. Have I, I've heard they've never had an initi- a rhythmic initiation. They've never had one. Probably the people who were initiated by Jai Prakamaraj originally. Because <laughs> <laughs> without a mantra, then you can't worship the deity. Without a mantra, they, they said, that, this is a Vaishnava. The scriptures say, who has Vaishnava mantra, he or she is a Vaishnava. That means who has initiation. And the, and the, the mantra is for, is for worship, among other things, is employed in the worship of the deity. You have to have the you know the deity and the codes, so to speak. The deity speaks in codes, hmm? and a kind of ritualistic language and so forth. So uh, you don't say, "Here, Krishna, sit down." That goes on in the leela. Mother, you sort of says, "Sit down," and you you got to eat this. You know, so we say, "Or you know, idam." Asam Om Krishna Mahaya. So that's the realm of ritual. That's kind of in between the spiritual and the material world. It can take us to the other side. So all those mantras are invoked there. And the mantras given in Diksha, they, they come alive hmm, in the Leela. That's what happened. The Leela. The, 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 the Guru is the form of the mantra. Hmm? So the you will see the, as the mantra, the form of the guru in the leela. Hmm? Ah, so, it, it, <laughs> so yeah, this is a really unfortunate um, turn of events that's uh, 
great big kind of idea. But um, unfortunately, in the presence of a poor example of spiritual leadership, then it, it, that's where it has gains credibility. Wherever there is no real good spiritual leadership, this thing can grow. It's not, and I tell you, it's growing, you know, it grows a little bit in around ISKCON. It's, it's a heresy officially, but it's still kind of grows and it's still alive there. You don't find it in any other moth, any other mission. It's allowed to fester. Hmm? It's allowed to fester. Yeah, it's allowed to fester because it's got the, the, the overtly, it's got this Jai Prabhupada, you know. I'm mean, one of the few people who say, I don't care if you say Jai Prabhupada. Shut up. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't have a lot, a lot of patience for that. <laughs> so. It seems to be very attentive to Prabhupada. Yeah. It minimizes his position. It relativizes him. It gives the devotee a license to be irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find it a huge, great disservice, quite disturbing. Yeah, it's a, it's a real disturbance. We should rise up against it and not tolerate it at all. It takes a huge amount of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. It's taken years and years. I mean, many times when the devotees all come together and they spend so much time talking about it. Right. They're paralyzed from actually being able to preach and spend money on it. And what did prophets say? You know, Forty years fighting in the courts, you know, it's, it's been, I mean, I, I don't know how you can be fighting in the court over something like this, over a temple as they do, or a book, and have heard what Prophet said about Godi Mouth fighting for 40 years and just think, whoops, <laughs> we're making a mistake here, <laughs> you know, there's got to be some other way, you know, you know, this isn't. Somebody told me that one of my governors, I met him from Dobbin years ago, and he's, and I said, oh, how are you? I haven't seen you. And he said, pretty good, and it looks like, you know, the court case is going good. And I said, court case? And he said, yeah, it's been going on for like 12 years now. And I'm thinking, God, what are you talking about? <laughs> Fighting with other governors, some court case over some temple or something like that. And I thought, you know, can you read the books? These court case <laughs> things are like bad news. You know, you know, you've, you know you're, you're wasting your time on that. You're... Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. Right. So does that mean the other side shouldn't go to the court? And I mean, you know, what? it's kind of a two-sided argument, and they both seem to be battling against each other for the most part. Well, but I, 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 I think that the, 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 the real... I think that, the, unfortunately, as much as you allow the idea to foster, which has happened, for example, in ISKCON for years, as much as you become weak... And you give strength to the opposition and get them to rise to the point of doing such a thing, of having a presence and making a court case and so forth. If it was nipped in the bud, is a bud? Before it flowered and started fruit as a conception, then with proper understanding and so forth, then it wouldn't have risen to this uh, case. So both parties are unfortunately you know, subject to uh, victims of their own <laughs> their own misconceptions, uh, yeah, they're culpable. So the fact that they're fighting in court, yeah, like I suppose they have to, but they didn't have to to start with. That's why I'm not in court. Hmm? So we don't have to be part of the court case. Krishna consciousness is alive and well without it, right? Yes? So the, the Jews are now, 
Right. The weeds are producing their own seeds. That seems the more you fight it, it gives them power. Right. That's true. That's why we don't bother. But if it comes up, we do have something to say. We're not preoccupied with it. Hmm? We ignore it, just like, you know, people at the airport. You just ignore them sometimes when they would... Christians, it was my policy. I would just ignore it. Somebody would come around and follow you everywhere. Jesus, Jesus. You know, as soon as you talk to them, then they know they got a, that much more energy. So it's a good policy to ignore them. But you can't always ignore them. Hmm? And sometimes you have to say something, and we should know what to say so these discussions have some value. All right, we stop there. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Kaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai. Oh, Premanandi.